Good evening. You are listening live to the 2020 Pennsylvania Council of the Blind virtual conference. This year, in a time of many distances, social and otherwise, our theme is bridging the distance. And one of the best ways to bridge the distance is to get out there safely, of course, and talk to people. Now, I realize that this might mean that you have to go out and do, dare we say the words, public speaking. Year after year, study after study shows that public speaking is one of the scariest things people ever have to do. But it doesn't have to be that way. If you learn a few skills, practice those skills, and get out there, it'll get easier and easier. You will get better and better, and you will bridge one distance after another. Tonight, your Pennsylvania Council of the Blind peer engagement team presents a workshop on public speaking. And I would just like to take a minute to thank my excellent team, Marianne Grignon, George Holliday, Christine Hunsiger, Kathy Long, Sue Lichtenfels, Rosemary Martin, Nan Scott, and Tammy Snyder. It's a great team. Thank you all. My name is Will Grignon, and along with my wife, Mary Ann, we will be your hosts for tonight. I, in my various capacities, have made presentations to national conferences. I have uh, monitored uh, discussion panels, and I have taught several uh, classes in law schools. Mary Ann has testified in open court for various advocacy issues. She has appeared before many public hearings and she has had many appearances on TV and radio. So we're here to share the few things that we've learned in our, our various escapades as public speakers and hopefully um, you can benefit from what we have to share tonight. Tonight we'll um, go over some posture and gesture skills <laughs> we will discuss uh, your use of technology. We'll talk about your relationship with the audience. And finish with 10 do's to make you the best public speaker you can be. So let's get started. Marianne? All right. <clears throat> we'll get right into it now. So let me just... Um clarify a little bit of what Will said. While I did do all those things, I'll tell you my um, journey into public speaking um, um, started by sort of um, being thrown into the deep end. And um, uh, I I would say I have Thomas Reed to to blame or to thank for that. Um, My first ever public speaking event was um, back in 2007 when I talked about the ACB conference and it was, I was um, given 20 minutes, which seemed like forever. Um, And I learned a lot as I went along and I know um, I can think back and I know I've still made uh, even as, you know, soon ago as last year doing the conference, I can think of my, my faux pas and things that I wish I, Oh gosh, I wish I hadn't flipped my hair. I wish I hadn't done this or that. So, we're going to um, talk about all these um, ways in which you can make your presentations better, but <clears throat> surely um, you'll learn by doing. And and that's really it. And and I wish we all, you all had a, a 
someone like Thomas Reed to just kind of dump you into the deep end and say, hey, you can do this and, and just try it. So let's get into it. Um, the first um, issue we'll deal with are blindisms. What are blindisms? Blindisms are uncontrolled and often unselfconscious behaviors. Some of them are rocking, body rubbing, hand waving, um, eye pushing and pressing and poking and lip pursing and mouth pressing. And then there are some behaviors that are just common to anyone who's kind of nervous at the, at the podium, at the microphone. Um, some of them are the hair flipping, um, the tugging on your clothes, um, just, you know, moving in a, moving your hands in a way that's, that's, um, you know, not, not productive. So those are um, the, the blindisms and other gestures that we don't want to, we don't want to get into. So um, we suggest that you ask someone that you trust to analyze your presentation for any blindisms or other gestures that you want to remove and that you remove these from your public speaking adventure. And it really is an adventure, right? And um, in the end of the day, if you can begin to remove the behaviors that these kinds of behaviors, you're likely to draw less negative attention to yourself and your vision loss in general. Um, this might be difficult and sometimes painful because after all, these are probably learned behaviors and you've probably hung on to them for a really long time, um, but you can um, unlearn them. The second issue that we'll deal with is posture. Um, and this is something I know, I, I didn't know I was struggling with until around 2009, which sounds crazy, but it's the truth. And I had a, just a good friend to say to me, hey, um, you're beautiful. Put your head up, you know, have a proud posture. So here's many of us with vision loss um, tend to look down when we talk and even just look down in general. And, and a lot of that, I guess, has to do with the fact that we're trying to see the ground in front of us if we have some vision at all. And but but this not only um, works against the face-to-face -face contact with the audience, but it also points your mouth down and compresses your vocal cords, and it results in a low voice and a strangled-sounding diction. I always know when someone has their face down, always. It's, it's just, you know, and if I can hear it, certainly other people can hear it and see it, and it's, you know, you have a, you know, face-to-face, -face, be proud, chin up. So whether you are sitting or standing... Um, and addressing a group, you want to have um, your head in a proud chin-up kind of posture with your eyes focused forward, making sure that you're facing toward the people that you're addressing. Ask someone you trust, again, someone you trust. For me, it's usually one of my daughters, um, whether your posture is good or not. Practice with the, um, your posture during your presentation. If you need to improve your posture, one of the ways that I found helpful is to um, to get this done is to stand against a wall um, and move your head back until it's against the wall and notice how it feels in relation to your shoulders and your upper chest. And um, okay, so and just you know again practice that until it feels until it feels natural. That's the stance that you want when you're um, when you're when you're up at a 
in a public speaking environment. Will, I'll hand it to you for a little bit. All right. Thank you. And I just want to emphasize right here the point that Marianne brought up, that we're not picking on you as blind people, okay? There are millions of sighted people who pay other sighted people to coach them and to identify things they're doing that are distracting from their uh, speaking effort. So it, it's just something that every uh, person who engages in public speaking has to go through because a lot of what you're doing is unconscious, okay? So, so, they, to, so the difference between sighted people and us is that we can, uh, sighted people can watch other people as they're public speaking and get hints, right? We can't do that. So, you know, just, I guess the biggest thing is that we're trying to do here is to demystify the whole process. That's right. And pick somebody you trust and be humble in the process. Okay. Just say, okay, you know, it's a learning process. It's not, it's not judging you as a human being. All right. As Marianne said, we're, we're talking about gesture and posture and stance. Now, I want to encourage everybody, whatever, if, it, if the situation allows it, stand up. Okay? If you're in a classroom making a presentation, stand up. If you're in a restaurant talking to a Lions Club, stand up. If you're in a boardroom talking to uh, CEOs or a nonprofit, stand up. Why do I say that? Well, first of all, you'll get noticed. And second of all, you're in the one-up position, okay? You're in the position of authority. Everybody can see you. Everybody can hear you better, okay? Now, once you're standing, and if you want to practice, you can stand where you are. I mean, being virtual is great because everybody's in their home and nobody's looking at everybody else, you know, getting all nervous. So um, you want to assume the stance. And what do I mean by that? It's a relaxed position. You want your feet Shoulder width apart, your knees bent slightly, okay? your shoulders relaxed, your head up. Okay. Now, why do I say knees bent? Because if you lock your knees, you're going to restrict blood flow and people have been known to faint. So you want to avoid that. Okay. You want to rest your weight on the balls of your feet and you want to be able to pivot from side to side. It's a, you're not going to be dancing, but it just gives you a loose kind of... Um, home position from which you can do gestures and move about, okay? So if you can picture that, see how it feels, practice that stance. And from this position, you can move left to right or move away from your, your lectern and then back to it, okay? You're not frozen, you're not walking around like a tin soldier, all right? But you need that anchor point, you have to know where your anchor is. Because if you leave that, that anchor point and you can't find your way back, and I've uh, done this in a, uh, <laughs> a uh, practice trial competition, I ended up talking to the wall. And it was really embarrassing to have the judge clear his throat and go, Mr. Gridnon, I'm over here. <clears throat> yeah, that didn't go over well. All right. But the one thing I want you to think about after you've established your stance and think about your gestures and motion is that every motion has to have a purpose, all right? Most public speakers have fidgety habits, and it doesn't contribute anything to their, uh, their speaking. It just distracts and deflects from their effectiveness. And speaking of that, Marianne will then oh, talk more about orienting yourself in the space, which is very important. 
So most particularly important, obviously, for people with vision loss is getting oriented to your space. So get to the venue early, locate the spot from which you're going to give your presentation, and get an idea of the layout of the room. So how big is it? How is it laid out? Is it classroom? Is it theater? Is it um, are tables laid out in a horseshoe? What is what's around? Um, what's around you? Make special notice of anything you can trip on: wires, water pitchers you can knock over, projecting items like screens or shelving, and the like. Adapt your presentation to the size of the and the configuration of the room. Your goal at all times is to address everyone in the room. So um, to this end, mentally map out the room and ensure that you turn your face to each part of the room throughout your presentation. Don't make it, you know, it doesn't need to be robotic. You don't need to be robotic. Um, It just... Um, just keep in mind that you'll be a more effective speaker if your entire audience feels included. Back to you, Will. All right. That's an excellent point. Sighted people, when they speak, make eye contact with certain people in the audience. Okay. They they try to get elicit um, responses from person over in the left front and then the rear back. And then, so um, as uh, people with vision loss, um, you you should try to address the entire room, as, as Marianne said. Now, here's the number one question that people ask in public speaking school. And I'm, I don't have a, a class in front of me, so I'll tell you what it is. What do I do with my hands? And it, it's, it's an amazing, it's, it's something that uh, public speakers deal with all, all their lives. Um, a lot of people, as we've been talking, have nervous habits, they have tics, they don't know what to do with their hands, they put them in their pockets, they put them behind them, they cross their arms, they clutch the the lectern, and try to avoid all this. Like we said, any gesture, any movement has to be planned and purposeful, okay? So just as your stance has a home position, remember, legs shoulder width apart, knees slightly bent, weight on your balls of your feet, Shoulders relaxed, rib cage open, head up. The home position for your hands is to cradle them together at your belt buckle or at your you know, similar place if you don't have a belt on your waist. And you just hold them there until you want to make a gesture that emphasizes or um, reflects what you're saying to people. Okay? So you can have that hold, that hold position. And you know where your hands are. They're not floating around. They're not knocking stuff down. So your hands are in the home position. And from that position, you can make your purposeful gestures. Okay. What, what would you think you're doing during a speech and you want to use your hands? Well, if you're doing it on one hand and on the other kind of argument, you could gesture with your left hand on one hand, make your point. And then gesture with your right hand on the other hand, okay? It's just a visual emphasizer for what you're saying, but it has to be purposeful, all right? If you're going to tell your audience three points, you can put up three fingers. I'm going to tell you three things. Number one, you can put up number one, tell them. Number two, tell them. Number three, tell them. 
Okay, it's just giving this visual emphasis to what you're seeing. You can spread your arms wide for something that you're talking about is big, bring them together to convey something that's small. Okay. Gestures are all, you know, there are a lot of them, but you have to make them purposeful. They have to be um, commensurate with what you're talking about and reflect what you're, what you're talking. Uh, you can point, but we recommend that you don't point at the audience. Okay, that's an accusatory gesture. Okay, you can point to yourself in a, maybe a self-deprecatory way. Okay. And what um, we recommend is that you give your, your audience a little pause after you make a gesture, just so they can absorb it and then return to you as the speaker. You don't want them to be distracted by what your hands are doing. Okay. So make sure your hands are in home position and you, you have an, a plan on what you're going to do with them during your speech. Okay. And you want it to appear natural. You don't want some massive gesture like um, a pompous actor from the 18th century French um, theater. Okay. You want it to be natural and flow with your speech. Now, Marianne's going to address the issue of Braille and public speaking. So I always know what I'm going to do with my hands because I'm always using Braille as a tool of, of notes. And, and um, usually, actually, I write out my whole um, speech. <laughs> so um, I don't have any problem as to what to do with my hands. But here's what I will tell you about Braille. Whether or not you use Braille or how much you use Braille during your presentation will depend on your skill level at using Braille. Um, <clears throat> so Braille readers tend to do one of two things during a presentation. Either they create note cards with some key um, phrases just to keep them on track. If that's what you do, then you movement and hand gestures um, remain possible. Um, but here's here's a caution. Be sure your cords are, your cards are organized. Um, maybe in some kind of a small binder, you can get them anywhere in um, Staples or any of those stationary stores, um, so that so that you're not flipping through them and and oops, I lost my place and and so on. So and if you're going to read your presentation, as as I often do, have your braille so that you're not flipping pages. Not, and this is, again, this is something that I learned through doing and, and not doing it right. Um, try to page your, your presentation so that you're not flipping pages in the middle of a sentence. <clears throat> um, format your text so that it ends in some kind of a logical, natural break um, at the bottom of the page. In this way, it's going to, first of all, it's going to sound more natural and it's going to keep you um, just a little bit more on track. For those reading their presentations, it will be harder to gesture or to move around because undoubtedly, if you're going to do that, you're going to, it's going to result in you losing your place and um, in, in your Braille document. Instead, if you page your presentation, as I said, in some kind of a logical way, um, you can pause at the bottom of the page. So you finished with this and, and now you can pause and, and move back or, or gesture or, um, you know, discuss um, if you are organized in, in your, 
in your writing and organizing of that document. In any case, you should make sure that you are addressing the entire room. So even if you can't move your hands and and gesture, um, you certainly can continue to move your head so that it's addressing each part of the room um, during your presentation. However you use Braille, have your Braille organized and ready. Practice using your Braille, your Braille notes, when you're, um, re- when you're rehearsing your presentation and set up your speaking place so that you have optimal access to your Braille. Um, if you're reading Braille from a device like a Braille Sense, make sure it's working well. This has happened to me before too. It freezes up. It's you. You lose your document. It's you know. Just make sure it's it's working well and it's charged. Can't be anything worse than thinking you're ready to start your presentation and your Braille is is not there or your device um, conks out because the battery wasn't charged. So back to you, Will, um, with about PowerPoint. Yeah, before we talk about PowerPoint, I just want to do a side, lo- side note here, Marianne, and talk about microphones. Um, I was thinking there are three kinds. There's the one at the lectern that's stationary. There's a headset microphone, and then there's the handheld uh, microphone. And obviously, the one at stationary one at the lectern is going to give you the, the least uh, mobility opportunity. Um, but, uh, you know, in any of those, um, what would you recommend, Marianne? If you're a Braille reader, you obviously cannot use a handheld. It's really hard to do it. I've, you know, had to do it at times um, when we have been, um, you know, when we at PCB have done the um, entertainment, when the entertainment has been a mystery theater, um, and we've had notes that, you know, to keep track of where we were, and I've had to speak. I've had my hand, one hand on the microphone and one hand on my notes. It's really difficult to do. So the optimal thing, and, and I'm not a big fan of the headsets. I don't I don't think they sound that, that well, although, you know, maybe somebody's got um, a fix for that. But the for a Braille reader, I think the, the best um, method is, is a stationary podium microphone. Okay, and you want to you want to know where it is. Uh, yeah, so have somebody then, show you, right? Again, right. So, so one of our first points was arrive early at the venue um, to orient. Well, part of your orientation should be that microphone. So you might want to ask the um, the host of the venue or the um, technician, the sound tech, um, where's the mic? If they're still at the podium when you get up there, what I usually do is I ask them to put my hand on it. So I know I have a reference point from that point forward as to where it is. Okay. And generally, depending on the uh, strength of the microphone, you want to be one or two fist widths uh, from it, slightly below your chin. You don't want to be breathing into it or eating the microphone. So, um, But you'll need to uh, test that because different microphones have different abilities. Um, often it's a really, really good system and you can just sit back and relax and it just picks up your voice. But sometimes they're very directional and you have to speak right into a certain point on the microphone. So again, get there early and, and uh, you know, orient yourself, not just to the place, but to your equipment and their equipment. Indeed. Now back to the dreaded PowerPoint. Uh, amazingly, after 25 years, PowerPoint is still used. It's the bane of public speaking. 
Um, what happens is the speaker addresses the screen and the entire audience looks at the screen. And speakers tend to put too much information on the screen. Um, if you're going to use PowerPoint, keep it simple and clean. Only, I would recommend no more than three points on any screen and make it phrases, not huge sentences or a massive paragraph of text that people are going to be trying to read while you're trying to talk. Okay. Um, like with any technology, you better know how to use it and you better know how to give a speech if your PowerPoint goes out. Okay. And if you're going to use other technologies and, uh, you know, like video or something, same rules apply. Know how to use it and show up early to make sure your technology works with the facilities technology. Okay. There's no, no worse feeling. You come in with a really fancy presentation and your plug doesn't fit into their socket. So remember, PowerPoint is just a placeholder, okay? You are the focus, your words, your presentation. You want them looking at you, not the screen. And we just talked about technology. Marianne, we'll yep. have a few more. Yep, to uh, that point, points. you're the energy. Your PowerPoint is not the energy that drives that presentation. You are the energy. Your passion for what you're talking about drives that. I assume that you're not going to speak about something. You're not going to put yourself in a position to do a, a public speaking presentation if you're not passionate about it. So it's not the PowerPoint that's um, that's going to make that, that that point. It's it's your passion that's going to make the point that that you're there to make. Right. Um, you know, so, yeah, so technology. So there are, know your technology. Um, there's nothing worse than standing up in front of the group that you've come to speak with, your audience, clearing your throat and having your technology go out, go out on you. Right. I am absolutely certain that not one of us who has ever done public speaking or even just given a report at a meeting has, I'm, I'm sure we've all dealt with that, but you know, we can only do the best we can to, to avoid it. So nothing robs you of your authority more than fumbling with your technology and having to ask someone to help you get it going. Um, know your tech, know your technology. That's it. You just, you need, you need to be the authority on your own technology. Chances are someone cited is going to look at your technology and say, well, well, I don't really know what's, what's here anyway. And certainly if it's something like a Braille sense or a note taker, a Braille note taker, they're your S O L for someone helping you, you know, with getting that up and running. So you must know the technology you will use, know it, practice with it, Anticipate, here's a big one, anticipate issues. Know what you do if something goes wrong and your technology is, is the problem. Try to get to the venue early. Again, it's, it's adv advantageous for you to get there ahead of time, to check out the electrical outlets, see where they are, make sure that they're in a um, place where you're, you have cables that can reach them, know what devices and projecting equipment the venue has, 
whether it it's going to hook up with you and, and and I wouldn't wait to to get to the venue to know this if you have equipment that you need to hook up with their projecting devices will and I have have done um presentations for the Alliance of the Arts and you know we we checked ahead of time um we have this we're going to need to hook it up with that and is it going to work and so that when you get there, it's just a matter of getting their tech in there, their tech people in there and, and yourself and, and making it work. So make sure everything you bring with you works with what the venue has to offer. Exactly. Finally, oh, sorry. Be, prepared, be prepared to make your presentation even if your piece of equipment goes bonkers. Um, I, I hope never to be in that situation um, because uh, I, you know, it's it's um, it's unte- it would be untenable. But have some kind of a plan as to what you might do if your if your technology really um, fails you. Um, we had been interviewing some people um, for the um, for a position at PCB, and I remember this woman walked in with a thumb drive with her PowerPoint presentation, but she didn't have a computer. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't count on anyone having a computer for you to use um, just because, you know, you have this, this thumb drive. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on that being enough. So plan well is, is the lesson here. Will back to you. Exactly. And, and you know, if that's one thing you remember from this is plan with their early, right? So, the next thing is listen to your audience. This is going to be very important for people with vision loss because sighted people can look out. They can see people yawning, stretching, doodling, you know, texting, leaving the room, all that. So try to gauge the, the, the temperament of the room, okay? Is it silent? You know, is it, you, know, you know how a room can feel sometimes where it's dead? Well, if, it's, if you feel that, then speed up your presentation. You know, wind it up. Maybe you, you've... Uh, You've, you've used up your time, okay? Um, maybe have some other, uh, maybe a joke or two to break the uh, the monotony, all right? But um, as Marianne was saying, if your technology goes down, you have to know what your major thesis is, okay? And this brings me to, to uh, be pithy, okay? Don't be verbose, which I can tend to be, but be pithy, all right? One, one sentence, what is your speech about? What is the one thing you want to convey to your audience? All right, so even if all your technology goes out the window, you have that one piece of information, that one exhortation, that one story that you want to um, tell your, your audience. And as corny as it sounds, I just want a side note here, know your opening line. This is a, a, an old uh, truism for people from vaudeville to the theater, everywhere. They, they say, if you know your opening line, everything sort of flows from that. But if you don't have your opening line down pat, then you start stumbling and then it just gets worse from there. Okay? So be pissy. Think roadmap. Tell your audience where you're going to go, where you've been, and then say thank you for the journey. Okay? Think bite-sized pieces. Tell them a, a, one of your important facts and then pause. Let it sink in. A few minutes later, maybe repeat, as I said before. All right. 
you have you are the in control. You know what's important. All right. So get what's important across to them in a pithy, entertaining way. And of course, practice. I know everybody hears that. Oh, practice, practice, practice. But that's it. Okay. You don't have to necessarily memorize your speech, but you have to know where you're going. It, you, how can you lead your audience down the road if you don't know where you're going? All right. And during the practice, you want to practice your posture, your gestures, your movements. Even make little notes to yourself. You know, pause here, gesture here. Okay, it's all part of the presentation. And once again, I'm going to emphasize, Marianne has emphasized it, know your, your speech well enough to do it even when everything fails. All right. And knowing your key thesis and the one nugget you want to give them will help you do that. And uh, let's see what time is it, Marianne? It's, it's about 8. So we're going to have to move, move it along um, a little bit. Right. Um, Can we just hit these last two points quickly? Yeah. All right. Um, one is smile. It's amazing how much a smile will help you bridge that gap with, with your audience. If you get up there all frowning and tense, you know, it's just a gap there that you, you won't be able to bridge. But smile appropriately. I mean, if you're giving a eulogy, you probably don't want to smile. But anyway unless it's a good story about the deceased, right? And then have fun. This isn't life or death, okay? You're not being condemned, you know, or imprisoned if, if you make a boo-boo, okay? Have fun. People take a cue from the speaker. If he's having, if you're having fun, if she's having fun, they're having fun, okay? We want to finish with 10 do's. You know what? Let's um I I I'd rather get questions if we have okay. them, but I do want to do this one. Um do the first one. It's important. Yeah, that's which one I want to do. The the one I want to the one of the ten do's that I want to um emphasize is the day of. Um and it really starts with the night before, um, maybe even a little bit before that if you're a lady. So um you want to get what you're gonna wear and and put it out the night before. Um but you wanna so this is one of my things. I have to be comfortable in if I'm doing a, a presentation. So, and ladies know what I'm talking about. If your heels are too tight, if your pantyhose are rolling down, if your blouse is cutting off, is too high on your neck or it's too low and you're self-conscious or whatever it is that you deal with in your own personal physical, you know, image of yourself, make sure whatever you pick to wear is comfortable and makes you feel good that it's an outfit it's it's a happy outfit it makes you feel good about yourself and the other thing on that day is to make sure that all of your technology and this is again the night before more so make sure your technology is charged make sure your notes are are and your note cards are packed up in your bag um your handouts are with you um and you know the, the and you know how you're getting to your venue. So here's my rule of thumb: for me, being on time is always being 15 to 30 minutes early. That's on time for me. And if you're giving a presentation, you don't want to be any less than 30 minutes before your presentation. So you, as a person with vision loss, can scope, maybe even walk around the room. Um, but certainly get a feel for the area from which you're going to be speaking, the podium, the microphone, again, wires that you could trip on, 
um, and, you know, make sure that the space is big enough. If you are using Braille or large print, that it's big enough for you to lay your, your, um, your, your presentation out. Um, so um, we have, we have all of this that we've talked about in a handout. If anybody would like to have that handout, please feel free to call me at, I'm going to give the number out, 570-807-1276. My name is Mary Ann. Call me if you want the handout, either electronically. If you want it in an alternative format, we'll, do, um, we'll get it to you as soon as we can. We're in the middle of the conference, so it won't be, we won't attend to it this week, but we will get it to you. If you just want to call me and have it sent to your email, I can do that anytime, anytime at all. Um, and um, we have, so the next part of this presentation is um, on Friday afternoon at four o'clock, where we will hear. Um, using the tools that we've just given you, we'll hear um, people put forth a presentation on bridging the distance. We have seven people currently signed up. If anybody um, would would like to come, we, we, we have room for probably three more people at least. Um, mm-hmm. So if you didn't, didn't sign up and now you feel brave and you'd like to, um, feel free to let us know that. Um, you can let the registration desk know um, if you've, registered for PCB's conference and you know when that, that registration is opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Will? And now, you know, we're going to encourage um, those who participate on Friday in part two to stand while they're giving their presentation. So they'll get the feel of it. Obviously we're doing it all virtually. So nobody's going to be watching you. Okay. So this would be a perfect opportunity to take an advantage of being relatively anonymous. Okay. And uh, share your, 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 speaking skills and in a very safe environment. This is non-judgmental. It's safe. Everybody's rooting for you. And this would be, uh, we want to have a fun time on Friday at four o'clock. So now let's open the floor to questions. If we have any. Chris Chris Hunsinger with a thought, not a question even. And uh, that is, I never thought about using Ira this way, but if I have Ira in my purse when I get to a venue, um, I can always ask the Ira people what that room looks like and what the people look like and sure. what the space is. And it, it's be just my eyes. Yeah, right. It's just it's, you never know what you're going to get with be my eyes. <laughs> but yeah, it works. Both of them work. It's just something that we've never thought we had the luxury of of, of using until just a few years ago. Good point. On to the next person. So if uh, the person with the phone number ending in 385, you should be able to unmute by pressing star six. Okay. Hi, it's Joyce Dribben. Thank you. That was a really, hi, it's a really good presentation. Thank you. And I've done some public speaking myself. um, And I have a, a blind friend, a male, who used to wear a suit jacket when he did his talks and put his note cards in his suit jacket pocket. And he would stand there with his hand in his pocket looking at his notes, and everybody was like, oh, my, he's got it memorized. And then he told me his trick one day. I'm sneaky. So so for anybody that likes to do have a suit or a jacket with a pocket on it, that's another trick. And um, one of the situations I have run into is having to give a talk at a dinner. 
and relying on other people to get me there. And I get there sometimes barely on time, not quite enough time to walk around the room. And boy, is that a mistake. And then as I'm talking, I'm hearing clinking glasses like, "Uh oh, are people paying attention? Are they whispering to each other? And I just have to keep going and hope for the best. And you know what? That's a good point, Joyce, is that you just have to keep going. Like we didn't get to um, that. One of the do's is just to um, if, you, if you make a mistake or you lose your place, just keep going. It's not the end of the world. Um, we're you know, we're not certainly the only people who to, who, to whom that happens. Right. So we'll just keep going. Or John. Yeah. And, and the other thing I've noticed, I've had to give presentations to high school kids and a couple of times to elementary school kids on seeing eye dogs. And I came in one day thinking I was having just 15 to 20 kids, because that's what I'd been told, and there were suddenly 60 in the room Mm -hmm. of all different ages. Mm -hmm. And I ended up by just having to scrap my presentation because there were so many questions. I said, okay, we're just going to take questions. And that's what I had to do. So I had to stay loose and just deal with what I had in front of me. Great point, too. Okay, we have uh, Joseph Sakura. You should Hi, be able to unmute. Hi, Joe. Hello. I I just wanted to. I was a little started by by your explanation of the hand position. Because I, from what I gather from what you're saying, you would want it my hands to be across my my right waist or my lower stomach rather than. <clears throat> along my side I'm I'm just want to be yeah. sure I understood well you know it's it's obviously it's your preference but um, speech uh, coaches suggest that you hold your hands relaxed in a cradle one hand in the other at your belt buckle because this is and once again your home position you have a home stance and you have a home hand position and you can make gestures from there if you have your hands at your side you you tend to look a little robotic okay <laughs> It's fine. Um, they recommend that you don't put your hands in your pocket. You can put it in one pocket. Johnny Carson did that all the time, and he got away with it. But it, just be warned, if you have coins, please don't jiggle them. Okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, since you're my instructors, I'm going to go with what you want. And well, see I if just, it's comfortable. I just, right? see I if just it's told comfortable. people, I, I, just ha- I just have this imagination that somebody might think, oh, he's trying to hold up his pants. <laughs> well, your hands are comfortable in front of you. It's not like you're clutching your belt. And what a lot of people do, especially men, is they'll put their hands crossed in front of their crotch. And that is a bad look, okay? So you want to raise your hands a little higher, okay? So it doesn't look like, you know, something. So well, if I uh, make that mistake, I'll just say I'm, I'm, I'm about to put I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you both very much. And all You're the welcome. Thank you, Joe. I think we're probably out of time. We yes. have one more. Can we do one more real quick? Donald Dunn. Hi, Donald. One of the things I wanted to definitely stress, too, is um, and you guys you know, hit on practice. Practice, practice, practice. And especially even if you're like just reading like I do in church a lot, you really want to emphasize. You don't want to be boring you want to add inflection uh that's one of the things i always do too and that's why it makes me one of the church's favorite readers but and i even do that when i give presentations i like to inflect and you know not be boring so that's another big point i like to stories are good yeah 
Thanks, Don. No problem. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you. Enjoy the conference. And we'll see you on Friday at 4.